What's new at Cold Wax Academy? Rebecca and Jerry are wrapping up their winter quarter of online sessions at Cold Wax Academy, where, as always, members have access to in-depth and varied content for learning, growth, and support. Their winter quarter included presentations by guest authors Eric Maisel and Sean McNiff, a painting clinic for works in progress, and live sessions on procrastination, tips on photographing your artwork, and source ideas for your paintings. All of these sessions and many more are available as video recordings in the member library. As a member, you can also access the private Facebook page and the community there of informed and supportive artists who post paintings, ask questions, and initiate discussions. It's never too late to join Cold Wax Academy. Stay tuned for a list of topics to be covered in the upcoming spring quarter, and please visit coldwaxacademy.com for more information as well as basic information about using cold wax medium. Once again, that's coldwaxacademy.com. That's all for now. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about painting media for abstraction. Each type of painting media that an abstract artist uses has specific qualities that make it suitable for certain approaches, and less so for others. As part of your studio practice, it's important to understand and to work with the qualities of different media rather than trying to push against their nature. And it is also exciting to explore outside your typical media to see what each has to offer. Today, we'll look at several media used for abstract painting. Oil, acrylic, encaustic, watercolor, and mixed media approaches, and touch on the benefits and challenges of each. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Okay, uh, another in the ongoing series of talking about abstraction, and we decided today to get a little bit more specific about um, how that works in painting. Before we get into the specifics of the different uh, media that we want to touch on, I uh, just wanted to mention that there's kind of a basic theory in art about no matter what material you're working with to um, you know, sort of exploit the qualities of that material to, to take full advantage of them and to not try to force them into doing something that they're not really suited to do. So kind of being in, in tune with your materials that you're using. And when we're talking about abstraction specifically, um, the, the material qualities of your media, of your paint, um, they can play a, a large role in what you're doing in terms of what you're expressing, uh, what, you're, what you're bringing as far as intentions and meaning to the work. Um, and so it's, it's something you know, to really pay attention to, to find the right media that, that works for you. And it really can be uh, well, there's sort of a built-in frustration with trying to make one media work like another one, like trying to make oil work like acrylic or something like that. They have very different properties. Um, and, you know, I notice as a, as a workshop instructor, this uh, comes up when I'm teaching um, oil mixed with cold wax medium with uh, people that are used to working in other, other media and may be very good at it, like acrylic or encaustic. 
and then they they come to uh, this quite different uh, way of painting, and it's there's a learning curve. I mean, you have to understand what each material does, and sometimes there's a lot of frustration because. I mean, with those two media, acrylic and encaustic, there's a very uh, quick drying time. So with oil and cold wax, dries quicker than regular oil, but it still takes a little while. So sometimes it's just like this learning to understand that it's going to take a little while to set up. Um, so looking at the the media that we're, we're going to talk, up, talk about in terms of um, what their differences and similarities are, there are similarities between all the ones that we're gonna we're gonna talk about. They can all be, uh, with, probably with the exception of watercolor, uh, which doesn't have a lot of uh, physicality to it. It's so it's so watery. <laughs> you know, you're not building up a surface. The other ones can all be built up in layers. Um, there can be physical texture, um, and um, and they can all be used obviously for abstraction. But again. Um, understanding the limitations, the drying time, the scale that they work best on, and just kind of their aesthetic qualities. Um, and, you know, as you said in the intro, to to play with different ones, to uh, explore different ones is exciting. And, and it may open up uh, new ideas and, and new doors. Yeah, I think it's important to to kind of play outside your your normal range, and and especially you know as he talked about, it's uh, certain mediums are are going to be more suited for certain effects, and if if you're trying to duplicate an effect that that would come naturally from watercolor, because you're just more comfortable working in oil, um, I think it it's it's important to to push yourself a little bit, uh, and and I mean while there may be a uh, an interesting quality to, to achieving that that same uh, appearance as as perhaps watercolor or something different using an unconventional means. Uh, I I think that there's something to be said for for doing what comes naturally. Yeah, you're working with the medium instead of sort of pushing against forcing, it, forcing yeah. it out of character. As you say, sometimes there can be interesting effects, and it's. You know, we're not going to say don't don't explore, but in in a big sense, um, understanding what what each one can do and and does and will do the best is a really good basis. And and it is. Uh, I don't feel like anyone needs to restrict themselves to one medium. I I work in several myself, and I do think that uh, there's there's cross pollination. There's there's crossover learning from one to the other, and just an expansion of your ideas. You you discover things about yourself working in different media. My my work in water based media is is much more direct. You know, it's much more um, in the moment, spontaneous than the type of paintings that I build up over time with with oil and and cold wax. And I think when when we're thinking specifically about abstraction, um, I think I'd probably said before in the podcast, but a lot of abstraction, strong abstraction, focuses on just a few of the visual elements. So typically an abstract painter will emphasize two or three of that list, color, value, texture, line, and shape, Um, a couple of those, or, or three of them, or something, but not all of them. I mean, a realistic painter has to bring in all of those, uh, usually, to make an image that um, conveys the the visual reality of something. 
But abstract artists have that freedom and that also somewhat of a need to emphasis, to have emphasis on, you know, sort of narrowing down their focus so that the work comes across in a stronger way. Well, when you're talking about what media, what art media to use, um, that that plays into it for sure. Like what, which one will work best for you to get um, the effects you want? So, you know, you're thinking about color. Well, do you want sort of flat, bold color um, or do you want a really nuanced color? Well, that that could have a lot to do with the medium that you work with. Like oil tends to be more flexible, more nuanced. Um, acrylic tends to be flatter and bolder. That's a generalization. People do amazing things with all these materials, but it might be a place to start if you wanted like bold um, geometry. Acrylic might be a better choice to to start with that. Um, and also thinking about the tools that you want to work with, because if you're really truly a brush painter, um, you know you're probably going to want to go to acrylic or traditional type of oil. Um, the type of oil painting that I teach where you're mixing cold wax medium in, uh, brushes can be used for sure, but but the mediums, the result, the mixture that you get when you when you mix those things together, it's kind of, it's thicker, it's it's stiffer. So um, I use squeegees a lot, little like silicone rubber, little pusher things. And those I've discovered are also great for other media. So it's some of the tools that you use in one medium can be used in another. And I've used the squeegees when I work with gouache or when I work with watercolor uh, to push it around the paper. And um, that's another uh, exploration is kind of a maybe an aside to what we're talking about the actual paint, but tools too can be um, uh, explored and and pushed into different directions with the medium. Um, well, and traditionally in a, in an art education setting, you're you're going to be exposed to a number of different styles and and artistic um, artistic mediums and and um, all, all kinds of different different options and being able to experiment and mix them in different ways. And and so if you're coming at this from maybe you're you're entering art a little bit later in life or maybe uh, you're just kind of dipping your toes into the water here, um, I, I think it's it's good to understand that that normally in an education setting you're exposed to a lot of different options. Mm-hmm. And it's good to to take that on yourself. Uh, in order to experiment and have fun and and move in different directions, and then there's also um, there's there's uh, different situations where you know, for instance, uh, if if you're traveling, maybe watercolor just makes a whole lot of sense if you have some experience with it. Mm-hmm. To be, it's it's a much more kind of packable option. Yeah, and if you'd already, like you say, had already uh, experimented with it, even if it wasn't your main medium. Uh, okay, here's a time when this is going to be really convenient, <laughs> as opposed to hauling, you know, oil paints and things. Um, yeah, and if you have some background in it, and then use that time to explore that new medium. And I think that's a really good point about art school and the difference that the different things you're exposed to um, as part of that education, as opposed to um, deciding to start painting without having a lot of different experiences. And then, oh, I don't know, typically people pick something that they're a bit familiar with or they know someone that uses or, um, you know, their favorite painter uses acrylic, so they're going to pick up acrylic. And 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 that makes 
that makes lots of sense. But to, but to have to open up to other media, um, I think is a great idea. And and one of the good ways to do that, if if you have room in your studio, and I know everyone doesn't, but if you can even just set up a small table where you lay out your stuff for whatever the other thing is that you want to try. So um, in my studio, I have a countertop where I have uh, I have my inks and my um, gouache and acrylic. And I don't have a lot of those things, but just enough to play around with. And so it's all set up. And sometimes that's what I'm in the mood to do. Um, I'll just go go there and, and there it is. I don't have to go looking for stuff or get it get it set up. So uh, just a suggestion if you have the luxury of space to set up some different stations in your studio. And, um, you know, when that urge hits, you're all set. And and most of us really do have one medium that we that we focus on the most. And, and that also makes sense because that's where you're um, learning all your skills and you're you're growing and you're becoming more competent at that medium. So it's, you know, another one of those many balancing acts we talk about. Have your main focus of your medium that really suits you and then um, try these other things and, and see what happens because they do have, I guess I would say, sort of different energies behind them. Some of them are more uh, spontaneous and some of them are more uh, maybe suited for, for a slower buildup of a, of a painting. Do you have any suggestions for uh, if you if somebody wants to branch out, which which medium is maybe a good one to to start with as a a way of of expanding um, the uh, the the tools and the techniques that somebody's comfortable working with? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess a good starting point is just economics. Um, if you have never painted in oils, and you think you want to play around with that. It It is, oil is the most expensive paint. And so that would be um, a financial leap to get set up for oil painting if it's something uh, that you, you know, you just want to try it. I'm not saying don't do it because you can get starter sets of, you know, 10 tubes and whatever you need. Um, but, but just cost-wise, probably um, watercolor, gouache, and the kind of the mixed media approaches that we're going to talk about. And there's acrylic also is, is relatively inexpensive. Um, and caustic, one of the other ones we want to talk about, requires quite a setup. So unless you might have the opportunity to use someone else's uh, setup, their studio, it's all all there, or maybe you're going to a workshop, um, you know, that that's a hard one to sort of stick a toe into, I would say. <laughs> Uh, but but workshops are a great way to try any of these things because typically you have a you know a, a concise materials list and you're gonna you're gonna receive really you know focused instruction in that in that media so um, that's always a good way to to try something. Let's take a quick break and talk about what deals are available from Blick. Fabriano 1264 mixed media paper pads right now are 22% or more off of list price at Blick. Discover maximum versatility with Fabriano 1264 mixed media pads suitable for all dry and most wet techniques. 1264 pads feature 110 pound heavier weight, medium textured soft white paper that holds up to multiple wet layers. 
Use this acid-free paper for pencil, colored pencil, charcoal, pastel, pen and ink, marker, acrylic, gouache, and light wash watercolor techniques. 1264 pads are spiral bound on the side with a micro perforation for easy, clean removal. Made in Italy. Once again, to take advantage of that offer, please remember to use our affiliate link, which is, of course, MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. When you use our affiliate link, it takes you straight through to the regular Blick website. But when you use our affiliate link, Blick donates a very generous 10% to the Messy Studio Podcast, which really helps us to pay bills around here. So once again, that's MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick to take advantage of that 22% or more off of the Fabriano 1264 mixed media paper pads. That's all for now. Let's get back into the show. Okay. And it, it does sound like those mixed media paper pads would be good for some of the media we're talking about, uh, the the watercolor gouache and uh, some of the other approaches that involve drawing materials. So yeah, that sounds a, like a good good stuff. So I want to talk now specifically about the different media that we introduced at the beginning, starting with oil, because it really is the one that I'm most familiar with, that I have painted with the longest. Um, and and in general, um, a lot of artists prefer oil for kind of for the optics. It, it has a luminosity to it that is hard to achieve with other materials. And there's a... a also, the drying time, which can be um, difficult because really uh, straight straight up oil painting takes, I mean, I understand it takes about a year to fully dry and then it should be varnished. So it has this kind of, um, there are some cumbersome aspects to, to painting with oil for sure. Um, at the same time, you know, it's, it's very versatile. Um, you can use it in, in thick layers, uh, impasto layers. You can build up texture. You can use it in thin washes and glazes in the more um, traditional techniques that have been used for, for centuries. Um, so um, what I, I'm sure anybody who listens to this for very long will, will hear that I, I teach and work with um, a special medium mixed with oil paint cold wax medium, which is a paste-like substance, and it helps the oil paint to dry quicker so that even in a few hours, it'll set up to the point where it can be scraped or, you know, excavated or layered. Um, you can put additives with it like sand. Um, you can use collage with it. So it's it's very, uh, very versatile. It opens up versatility in oil paint, um, when you add this this wax to it. And um, so that's just kind of an aside because with oil paint, there are a lot of different mediums that you can look at and play around with. Um, I don't know as much about them as I do about cold wax, but there are alkyd mediums you can add to speed up the drying time, for example, things like that. Um, the use of solvents uh, with oil paint can be a drawback for people because either for cleanup or for certain techniques, usually um, people use um, mineral spirits for that. It's possible to avoid it to a large extent. I mean, um, it's possible to clean up with uh, soap and water, with other things that you can buy to, uh, to take care of the oil. But uh, traditional oil painting, at least, involves solvents, and people can develop sensitivities to those or 
just maybe don't have enough ventilation um, in their studio. So anyway, oil paint, yes, very versatile. And obviously, if you look at the history of art, you see it used in a myriad of ways. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it is um, it is more expensive. Oil paints are the are the priciest paint that you're going to find out there. Um, when you mix it with a medium, it's going to last quite a while. Um, one tube can go pretty far. So the other main medium that people paint with, obviously, uh, is acrylic. And acrylic is used in a lot of abstraction. And it has this, this tendency, unless you alter it with um, certain uh, additives that you can put in the paint, it will set up pretty fast. And what that means is it's, it's much less... Um, of a medium that you would build up layers and then scrape or dig back in. It, that would be very difficult with acrylic. You can build up layers, but you're, you're pretty solidly covering over what's underneath uh, rather than being able to, to expose it. And so if you like to work with that back and forth between the layers, uh, acrylic's going to be pretty tough. It is, uh, it is good for um, really you know spontaneous, quick work. And you can also obviously paint in a more developed way with it. It's it's more uh, well. There, I should say, there are different types of acrylic. Some of it's quite fluid, so you can get heavy-bodied acrylic. You can get fluid acrylic, which is uh, basically comes in a squirt bottle. I mean, it's it's that fluid. Um, as I mentioned, there are a number of mediums that can be added easily to acrylic. Uh, most of them that I'm familiar with are made by Golden. Uh, acrylics, and those do all kinds of things. They add texture, they add fluidity, they can slow down the drying time if that's what you want. And, you know, you, if you go in the art supply store, there's like a whole rack of these things that sometimes a bit mysterious because uh, you're not sure what they all do. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, it's something that if you're into acrylics, something to explore, I would say, uh, uh, finding out what these different mediums do with with the paint. Um, a drawback to acrylic, besides this quick drawing, is uh, it tends to to have a somewhat flatter appearance, less luminous than oil paint, and it is uh, base. It's basically a plastic product, and so for some artists, they don't want to get into using plastic in that way, and it's that's an aesthetic feeling an aesthetic decision, I guess. But some people just don't like that aspect of it. Um, good things about it, it's really easy to use with collage, with mixed media. Um, it's an easy studio setup because you don't have solvents. Um, and so it's, it's um, you know, you, you can paint obviously with less ventilation. Um, cleanup is actually have to do it pretty fast because it will dry on your brushes and whatever else you're using. Um, so you have to be kind of on top of the cleaning, maybe more than um, with oil paint, where at least in my messy studio, things get just sort of wiped off or stuck in a can of solvent or something. <laughs> my tools, uh, not the best practice I know. Um, so that's acrylics. And they're again, they're very flexible. Um, and they, you know, they've stood the test of time. Obviously, oil's been around for centuries, but acrylic painting has been around for uh, a long time. I'm not sure when it first came into use, but I think it was in the 30s or 40s. And so um, it, 
you know, it's very durable and, and uh, stands up over time. Um, so I also want to talk about encaustic because that is, um, it's a very, it's a growing and very popular way of painting. And the difference between encaustic and working with cold wax medium is heat. So the word encaustic means to burn in. And a big part of the encaustic process is um, is fusing the layers of wax. So people that work with an encaustic paint always have handy uh, some type of um, heat gun or torch or something that they're going to use periodically to fuse the layers of wax together. And the wax uh, can be mixed with pigment or it can come as a pigmented wax. I mean, you can buy blue wax or red wax, or you can mix uh, mix your own colors. And you, you do need a special setup because you have to keep your colors warm. They have to be in a fluid state to be able to use them. And that creates fumes, and fumes necessitate ventilation. And there are a lot of specifics about what is needed for encaustic studios to be well-ventilated and, and to be healthy. Um, that said, many people have set up this way of working and love it. And I think once you get over that that hump of um, figuring out what you need to do to get going with it, you... Um, you know, you're on your way. And there's a wonderful book by Joanne Matera that was written a number of years ago that outlines everything you need to know uh, to get started. So why do people love encaustic? Um, I think it has it has a very distinctive appearance. Um, obviously, it's, it's wax, and it has this waxy surface, which can be sort of buffed and rubbed, so it has a soft glow to it. Um, Again, very versatile medium because you can add um, collage elements to it. You can actually add um, objects, more things with some weight to them, which you can't do with these other um, media that we're talking about. Um, and um, there, there are a lot of ways to use it. It's fairly versatile, but the thing about it is that as soon as you um, bring your brush up out of the, the warmed wax where it is fluid and start to work with it, um, it, it immediately begins to harden up. So people that are good at this um, are able to work quite fluidly with it. But it is a hard thing, uh, I found, to learn to, to really feel like you're painting with it because with a brush and an oil paint or acrylic, you're you know you're spreading it around your surface. Um, with encaustic, you don't have a lot of time there. It's going to basically harden up right away. Um, but then it can be reactivated with the heat. So um, typically, people work on a fairly small scale with encaustic. I have seen beautiful, very large uh, paintings done with encaustic, but I think because of the that time limitation of there's not not a lot of lag time between when it's workable and when when it's set up. Um, encaustic paintings tend to be on the small scale side. Um, Those larger encaustic works, do they tend to be more more gestural? Oh, uh, I would say so. There, are, yes, I think there are people that have learned how to do this, and it, it involves you know how you're going to balance the heat, um, how you're going to apply the heat to keep your your surface so that you could make more gestural marks. Um, you can also use things like pigment sticks. Um, 
which are oil paint in a in a stick form to to draw and fuse that into your work. So, um, you know, people can be very innovative with this, and um, I certainly don't want to characterize characterize it a certain way. Uh, it's it's a really wide open um, field. A lot of people, a lot of artists love encaustic and have discovered really interesting ways to work with it. Um, one of the drawbacks to it is that it's quite delicate, um, a, a delicate surface, I should say. So it's uh, somewhat sensitive to heat. So um, you you need to be a little bit careful not to melt your your painting, or if you buy an encaustic painting, not to put it in a place where it's it's really warm, uh, because it can soften up, and that also makes it a little bit harder to ship the work. Um, there are special boxes that people have figured out how to make for shipping encaustic. So it, it that is not a field I know very much about. And if I've said anything incorrect, please, for, please forgive me, our listeners who know a lot about this. I have played with it a bit, and I've certainly been around people who work with it. Uh, but it, it remains a bit of a mystery to me. So uh, I just know that there's some uh, there's some wonderful work being made with it. And that it is it is a a bigger leap to get into it for the equipment and so on that's involved. Um, so I do want to mention uh, watercolor and along with that gouache and both are very very fluid water-based media. Obviously, gouache is the um, opaque version of watercolor, basically, and you can get some really interesting effects when you work with them both on the same painting, which is perfectly possible. They're they're very compatible. Um, these are paints that require a really direct approach. It's, it's like a real decisive approach. Um, you really can't redo very much. And one of the things that happens, um, especially with watercolor, is that it will re-dissolve when there's another you know, application of water over it. And so it's, it's really easy. If you're not quite uh, deft with it and quick and decisive, uh, with your mark making and your brush strokes, it's really easy to just dissolve the colors together and you end up with mud. So uh, it has it has a reputation of being a somewhat more, oh, I don't know how to say it. It's it's less respected somehow than than other forms of painting. But I will say it is a difficult medium. So I don't really understand uh, why that would be. But in the world of art, there are some mysteries. It's um, it is a very challenging medium, I would say, to uh, to work with in a in a not pre-planned way. Um, but it but it is also very wonderful for that directness, and um, it just it's so expressive. And I I find when I work with these materials, gouache, and I'm a little more fond of gouache than straight watercolor. Um, it's an exercise in, uh, yeah, just doing something. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, uh, I throw it away. <laughs> because there is definitely a point where you cannot overwork it. You know, it'll it'll just be a mess. Yeah, I, th I think that because uh, watercolor has these qualities where, uh, because it's a very fast medium and because uh, it's, it's very difficult to um, to, to, to work it as, as you mentioned um, it's uh, it, it does have this tendency where 
Uh, it tends to be used for for things that are a little bit more controlled and planned, and also very very quick. And so I, I think I think that maybe the the reputation that watercolor has in the fine art world kind of kind of maybe comes from the the tendency of watercolor to be used uh, more for for things like illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a history of being yeah used for illustration um, for quick landscape work. Um, yeah, somehow it, it it for for some people it lacks the gravitas, the seriousness of these other media. But honestly, I just recently, and I can't remember the artist's name, I just recently saw some incredible watercolor work um, at a gallery in Santa Fe and landscape work. And and when it's done well, and these were large scale, which was unusual, it typically, people do work smaller because you, there's a limitation to what you can load onto a brush, you know, and it's wet. Um, but But you can get these beautiful sweeping washes and Wow, when somebody has the technical expertise with watercolor, it is really impressive because it is hard to control. Um, one of the ways that it does get controlled is using a masking fluid. So there's a kind of a rubbery stuff that you can paint onto your paper that will come right off when you rub on it. And that's a way to keep uh, you know keep the watercolor from getting into uh, into the white of the paper. Uh, and and oftentimes, uh, really beautiful watercolor allows the paper to be part of the piece. And that's another unusual aspect of it. So you'll see bits of the white paper uh, left. And so it's very fresh. Um, and so uh, watercolor takes a lot of practice, I would say, to, to be good at it. Um, one of the things that I've, I've done with watercolor and gouache, which kind of amuses me for some reason, is to mix mix it with some of those golden acrylic mediums and um, it works. You know, you're tinting the medium with uh, the paint and then it, it has more thickness to it or it has it's more controllable. And then I'll work, work that with a squeegee or the brayer uh, as I would with cold wax. So again, kind of mixing up tools, mixing up disciplines. Uh, but they are compatible, as far as I can tell, with um, the acrylic medium. So it's kind of interesting there's also a crossover in terms of, of tools and techniques uh, with uh, pen and ink uh, with watercolor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, the, the main, I mean, the main difference, I guess, in materiality with the watercolor is it's so, so thin. <laughs> you know, there's no, unless you mix it with a medium, there's no body to it. So it's, it tends to be more of a brush medium. Um, and uh, other people, I know people use things like eyedroppers and other things, too, to create certain effects. So um, there's a whole world of watercolor technique. And again, it's not something I know a huge amount about. I have, you know, played with it. Um, my own experiences mainly with, with really pretty small, um, spontaneous shapes and things. Uh, I did a lot of that when I was in Portugal, actually. So well, right. And as we mentioned, watercolor is, it's very packable. It's, it travels it very well. And because mm-hmm. it's such a, a low cost uh, option as well, which, which may also contribute to maybe it's, it's kind of um, the, mm-hmm. the way that people view it is just the, the mm-hmm. cost of materials is relatively low. But that all also makes it a, a really great option for people who, I, this is maybe not the main thing that they do, but it's a great way to experiment and to grow and to and to right. take on a, a different set of techniques and a different style. 
Yeah, and and yeah, it's looser. It's just, and if you're working on paper, paper always has that <clears throat> advantage of, again, in terms of economics, it's a watercolor paper can be very expensive. I should say that, but a lot of times you're working on a smaller pad of paper or something, and yeah, I just oh that one's a mess. I'll throw it away, you know. Um, and uh, and I will also add too that people can spend a lot of money on watercolors that are very high quality. So. Uh, there's a range like anything, but there's a lot of really good ones that will be much less than than oil paint. Well, and we and we mentioned during the ad break that the the 1264 Fabriano paper is is on sale, mm-hmm. and I I've kind of promoted the mixed media paper, which has a, a broad range of applications. But their watercolor paper is also on sale right now for 19 oh, okay. to 29 percent off list price. So if you want it specifically for watercolor, uh, in reading the reviews, you probably want to get the actual watercolor paper, which is a little bit heavier. Yeah, and and I actually have used that. And when you buy watercolor paper, it's either hot press, which is smooth, or cold press, which is rough, So or rougher. So you make that distinction depending on what you want. So there's a lot of ins and outs to, to all this stuff. Uh, I just wanted to wrap up with um, the mixed media, which is it's a catch-all category. Um, with watercolor and gouache, one of the things that is works really well is to... Uh, use drawing media also with your gouache or watercolor um, and also ink. And that's the way that I was working um, on a number of small pieces last fall. And things like charcoal, um, graphite, and powdered charcoal and things like that can be um, part of a mixed media piece. And it's mixed media in general is, is good for incorporating um, drawing. You can I mean, it includes collage, it includes additives that you might add, like sand and things like that. Uh, it's really a very wide open category for exploration. Um, one of the things to consider with mixed media that I think is worth noting is um, how, well, you're, how obvious do you want it to be that it is, you know, a piece of collage or um, a bit of sand or whatever it is you have in there. Um, do you want to sort of bury it so that it's a little bit more mysterious or do you want it to be very obvious? And I've seen, you know, both ways of working with mixed media. There's, there's no right or wrong, but it's something to consider um, how much attention you want to draw to the, all the different things that you're, you're putting in the piece, because it can get a little chaotic, I will say, (laughs) if you're just putting all kinds of things in. So, you know, like with anything, there's, there's a restraint, there's an aesthetic to choosing what you're going to put into mixed media. Um, usually mixed media work is water-based. Um, you can do it with cold wax um, but and oil, but the all the water-based media seem to be more um, compatible with drawing materials and collage and things like that. So... Um, I won't go into mixed media a whole lot. Um, oh, one more thing to say is that if you do involve um, oil and acrylic in the same painting, which is a certain mixed media approach, um, just know that you can't paint acrylic over oil. It just will peel right off. <laughs> so you can, however, paint oil over acrylic. So is acrylic an acrylic base is something a lot of people do before they start with an oil painting. Um and people use charcoal and people use all kinds of drawing stuff underneath other types of painting. 
So it's a big world, um, and it's um, it's a it's a fun world <laughs> to to try these things. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Just to say again that it's it's worth exploring. Um, there is a cross pollination of ideas. I speak from experience because I do enjoy um, trying out these different media and and seeing what comes out, and it's different in different. Material with different materials, different things come out, which I find uh, really, really interesting. Um, and sometimes, like if I'm using um, something like gouache, I'll make a shape that's kind of flat. Well, I like the shape. Maybe that'll appear in an oil painting, but it'll be uh, have more nuance or depth to it. And it's just a lot of back and forth. It's the spontaneity of the quicker media and the uh, the more developed media um, taking more time. So anyway, each 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 of these media has their distinct effects and, and they have great potential. So I say explore. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook as well as Rebecca's public profile page. For more from Rebecca Kroll, check out RebeccaKroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at coldwaxacademy.com. Be sure to sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. For more from myself, Ross Tickner, check out rosstickner.com. The Messy Studio is a Tick Digital Media production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. Until then, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.